0: I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. We are here to discuss No Sudden Move, which came out in 2021. I'm gonna shoot you right now. Can I go home now? Wait at the house after. What do you mean, after? Right off of your feet. What is going on? What's going on, big guy? Yeah, what are we doing? We're following instructions. Are you helping me or are you not helping me? No, 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 no. no, no. Thank you. Set up, man. God called me, offering me ten thousand dollars to turn you in. Fifteen-foot white guy. Think you're the only one that can make a move? I can make a move too. It's directed by Steven Soderbergh. It stars Don Cheadle, Benicio del Toro, Amy Simetz, David Harbour, John Hamm, and several others. It's a great cast. The genre would be period crime drama. It takes place in 1950s Detroit. Let's start things off by saying Soderbergh has done it again. It pleases me to be able to say that one of my favorite directors still has a few more tricks up his sleeve, even when he often seems to be treading through thematic and genre territory that he's done before. This is a heist movie, but it's not remotely like Ocean's Eleven nor Logan Lucky. This is a crime drama, but it's not remotely like Out of Sight nor Traffic. And this is also a sprawling tale about corporate malfeasance, but it's not remotely like Aaron Brockovich nor the informant. No sudden move is its own weird thing with its own weird deliberate pace that nonetheless rings no shortage of suspense from its premise. There is violence, there are double crosses, and there's even a MacGuffin at the center of it. And just for the uninitiated, a MacGuffin is basically a plot device. It could be any kind of object, document, what have you. comes from Hitchcock. Basically, it doesn't matter what it is, but it's one central item that most of the other characters in the story are after, and it drives the story. So yes, there is a MacGuffin, and there's a MacGuffin at the center of this, which I have to admit might have actually been the weakest part of the movie for all I explained about it. But let's just say that the inciting object-slash-document could have been handled with a bit more punch and originality, though just that one part of this did not really hurt the movie for me, not that much at all. The cast is great. Everyone comes to play, and nobody disappoints, even with limited screen time. It's fun to watch guys like Brendan Fraser and Ray Liotta chew some scenery as they bring both humor and tension to their roles as mobsters. John Hamm, Noah Jupe, and Amy Simons are also really good in relatively subdued roles, but with a lot simmering under the surface. The plot basically kicks off with a simple heist, which is also tied to a hostage situation, which involves Simons and Jupe's family, including their husband-slash-father, played by an absurdly buttoned-up David Harbour. His line readings in this, as he gets more and more enmeshed in the plot, they are among the film's many highlights. I'm sorry. I'm going to punch you now, sir. I'm punching you. This is going to be a punch. Bon, bon, bon. Now, the actual MacGuffin is actually in the possession of Harbor's boss, which is why his family has become involved. The thieves who are trying to acquire it are played by our two main stars, Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro. And at the end of the day, this is their movie though it's probably a bit more Cheadle's. They're both great, and funnily enough, for a change, it's actually Don Cheadle who takes on a new voice, as Benicio Del Toro has been known to do in many movies. Don Cheadle sounds as if he's almost inhaled way too many cigarettes, and he gives the more flamboyant performance for a change. Why are you doing this, man? Because I'm going to get what's mine. And needless to say, our two protagonists, well, sort of protagonists, they get in over their heads, and the central question of the movie becomes... Who can actually trust whom? And we'll just leave it at that, because I don't want to give away any more of the plot. Now, the screenplay by Ed Solomon is very sharp and funny. It never gets convoluted, while still keeping us on our toes. Everyone and everything in and around, mostly 1950s Detroit, where it all takes place, it's all shot really well. But apparently this film had no director of photography, no cinematographer. I'm thinking that Soderbergh shot it himself, which he's done before, and it looks great. He also brings back longtime collaborator David Holmes to do the score. And while there are plenty of jazzy parts, which has been the norm for both of them, they did the Oceans movies together, the music sometimes takes on a more menacing, booming sound, which almost feels like it's a Coen Brothers score, a Coen Brothers crime drama like a Fargo or No Country for Old Men. And Carter Burwell was their composer. It sounds like that. And there are other Cohen's vibes going on here. There's some whimsy thrown in there to punctuate some of the almost claustrophobically tense situations that some of our characters find themselves in. Now, is this top-tier Soderbergh? It's too soon to tell. But if nothing else, I can certainly see myself re-watching this. That brings us to the categories. The best needle drop is the first category. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. No joke, this movie has a generally dark ending with some interesting and timely things to say. And the song that closes it, just as the credits start to roll, it's pretty note perfect. And even though David Holmes' Moody score has done a lot of the work up until that point, the best needle drop has to go to this song. The song's called I Done Got Over It, a 1960 mid tempo bluesy pop single from Bobby Mitchell. Not to give away too much, but as we watch one character walk towards the camera just before the credits when this song kicks in, the song almost sounds like an inner monologue for them. That brings us to the next category, Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. One of my personal favorites and a perennial Soderbergh co-star, Bill Duke, He's really good in this as one of the local Detroit bosses who was out to get Don Cheadle's Kurt Goins. He has some nice moments demonstrating some genuine menace and also demonstrating some cool for sure. But I wanted more because you can never have enough Bill Duke. At least one more sit down featuring him and some of the other local bosses could have gone a long way. I'm just a sucker for those kind of scenes. So Bill Duke would be my wasted talent. That brings us to the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. In a film filled with so many shifting developments and twists, there's just one point around two-thirds of the way through the movie when the story slows down for just a bit, and we get to see our two main characters, Don Cheadle's Kurt Goines and Benicio Del Toro's Ron Russo, we get to see them sit back in a hotel room so they could plot their next move. They want to try to figure out what they have, what it's worth, and how they can get the most for it. We see each of them laying on beds across the room from each other, Looking relaxed, but still sizing each other up a bit while they discuss all of the main players involved and how much danger they're in. Considering how tantalizingly close their characters came to teaming up in Soderbergh's traffic 20 years ago, this almost feels like the Del Toro Cheadle team-up movie we always wanted, if for just a few minutes. You want a bet? Get in your pocket. I got it. I, I, I love it. it. I love it how when you do this. How, how much? much? I got. I got 12 bucks. Okay, give me... Give me ten, we make it even. Okay, beautiful. Wait a minute. It's just great to see these two together, just talking, and that is your trailer moment. And that brings us to the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Now, in case it wasn't already obvious based on how much of his impressive filmography I mentioned earlier, Steven Soderbergh is one of our greatest living directors. And he has been dishing out gems from all genres since 1989 when he broke out with the indie hits Sex Lies and Videotape. This is his film, even with the top flight cast and all the talent behind the camera. Steven works with such certainty. He's really like a one man army. Because he edits his own stuff. He's shooting it and he's editing it. And accurate reputation for being very efficient. He would shoot it fast. He will get you home early. Detail genius. Once he hires someone, he's like, I'm trusting you to do the job I hired you for. He's almost edited it in his mind already. Steven just kind of knows what he wants. And he comes in and he's like, this is all I need. You guys give that to me. And then, boom, we move on. One of the things that I truly love about him as a filmmaker is how he never seems to be slumming it, yet is extremely prolific. This is literally the fifth film he has directed over the past three and a half years. And four of those films are really good. This, High Flying Bird, Unsane, and Let Them All Talk. And also, each of those films are so dramatically different, yet seem to carry some similar themes, mainly about distrusting some of our larger institutions. Out of all of his peers who came up around the same time as Soderbergh, and that includes Spike Lee, Quentin Tarantino, the Coen brothers who I've mentioned, I would say that he has one of the best batting averages. And whatever you might be hearing about the sad overall state of Hollywood filmmaking... Lately, because there's a lot of talk about that, and to be fair, it is pretty sad. Just the fact that Soderbergh keeps putting out interesting films with good casts on a regular basis, I mean, more than once a year at this point, it's enough to give me some hope about films and filmmaking and Hollywood. Soderbergh is not only the MVP for this movie, but he's one of the few true MVPs still remaining for the studio system. My overall rating for this film would be four stars out of five. I would highly recommend No Sudden Move. It's currently playing on HBO Max indefinitely. Unfortunately, you can't see it in theaters, but I would highly recommend watching it on streaming if you can. Soderbergh, he's one of our best, and you can never miss a good film from him. This is a gem. And that ends another Double Crossing review. Please subscribe to the Living for the Cinema podcast Follow and like us on Facebook and Instagram and join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema.